0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel Podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Ephesians, Ephesians, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. Face masks. They are becoming the new normal. And I'm wearing this because we're getting used to seeing people wearing them uh, or not wearing them. On the tube in London uh, a few weeks ago, we reckon about 80% were wearing them and others ignoring the fact. And very hard to communicate, very hard to understand what's going on behind the masks. And... Engaging in facial expressions of smiling or uh, warmth, very hard to do that where a mask is being worn. And we are continuing in this exciting series called Unashamed because we are aware that it's not just a physical mask that we are talking about this morning. It is a mask that many people wear and Christians can wear to hide the Truth of what they feel, of what's happened to them, uh, the way they look, the things that they've done or had things done to them—they cover it over in a mask they hope will be acceptable to the world around them. And uh, those feelings of shame affect the way in which we try and build relationships. We are covering over, we are uh, pretending that we are something that we aren't really. And we need to be able to understand what the Bible has to say about this. It has a lot to say about this so that we can live free from our shame and live in the light of God's glory, his love, his peace, his grace towards us, and not feel the need to pretend, to feel not wanting to cover up or cover over our past, but find that there's grace in it for our future. And I was very impressed with Howard as he began that this series last week, being so open about his own feelings of shame, wanting to give permission to all of us to be able to then express our feelings, the areas in our life that we have covered over and really don't want anyone to know about or even God to know about, but actually God desperately wanting to remove our masks and bring us into his light and bring us into freedom. So I guess for me there are many areas when I look back at my life and perhaps one of them might help you. It was my mock A-levels. It was the multiple choice of physics, 50 questions, where you had to choose A, B, C, D, or E. I was never good at multiple choices. And the result day came when the whole class was assembled and the teacher was gonna read the exam results. And he began at the top with 98%. I remember the girl's name. Her name was Sonia Kennedy with 98%. He ran down the list, getting lower and lower to about 50%, and then concluded and closed the register. And then with a very theatrical turning away and then turning back, he announces, I'm breaking all laws of probability with 2%. One question in 50, right? Is Guy Miller? Now, the... Class erupted in peals of laughter. Uh, people thought this was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. The teacher went on to explain that even if even the thickest person in any school in Britain, if you'd have put all A's, B's, would have done better than Guy Miller. I lived uh, into that last few months before A-levels with this stigma wherever I went. Fingers were being pointed. I was ashamed of my results. I was ashamed that I was so stupid and so ignorant. And... Uh, Even uh, years later, when I I feel like I've grown up a little bit and matured a little bit, I bumped into that girl. And she said, oh, can you remember? Can you remember the mock A-level physics results? Multiple choice. And I'm going, "Oh, mm. oh, no, I don't think I can. You got 2%. And the gain, the feelings of how can anyone be that thick? How can that person be so stupid? And the shame that comes with that. I wonder what your area of shame might be that you've been covering over. Howard mentioned things like body shame, where you may feel that you are too big, too tall, too fat, too thin, too hairy, too bald to bigger nose, to longer ears. There's all kinds of challenges, particularly in the world in which we live, where we're seeing images of others, the beautiful bodies all around us. It may be that you have been sinned against. It may be the little secret that your uncle wanted you to keep. It may be the the, the issues that you yourself have indulged in, got caught up in a sin or an addiction, gambling, pornography. Maybe it's a, an act, an act of real rebellion and stupidity, sleeping with someone, getting pregnant, having an abortion. There are, there are so many things that we do and feel shame about. They, 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 they carry in our lives that stigma, that sense of alienation, that sense of shame. And so I want to call this morning's message, as we look at the book of Ephesians, Unwrapping the Serpent's Coils. I encourage you, have your Bibles open, to follow what I'm going to say. I'm going to be in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. So let us look at the beginnings of shame, going right way back in time, back into our ancestry, back to our original uh, mum and dad, Ephesians 2, verses 1 says, as for you, this is Paul describing our pre-Christian condition, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedience. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful natures and following Its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Paul goes right the way back to where it all went wrong. Where the first venom was injected, as it were, with the first bite of a fruit, the venom of the snake was injected into our veins. It says in back in Genesis 3. When Satan, the serpent, tempted Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. Chapter 3, verse 4 The serpent said to the woman, For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it says then, They ate, and their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Swear the first shame comes into the Bible, into the story. We were created to know God, to be in relationship with God, to know his presence in the cool of the day, to enjoy co-labouring with God in 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 a world's mission. And we were tempted, Adam and Eve tempted, to become like gods themselves, taking of the forbidden fruit, that snake bite that began a process, immediate process of death and judgment onto the whole of the human race. Yes, God spoke grace, but death had entered the world and death was now coursing through our veins. We know with COVID-19 that we've been reminded that to be brought into proximity of this virus can mean death. It's reminded us all that we are mortal, that one-in-one people do die. I think it's something like a million people a week across the world die anyway. We are mortal. And we were described here by Paul as dead in our transgressions and sins. So death in the Bible is mentioned in three sort of separate ways. There's a physical death that one and one people die, But here it's talking about a spiritual death that in rebelling against God, that judgment brought a separation, a shame, a a hiding away from the presence of God, a a, a rejection of the loving rule of God. That means we live in this world where we are following the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, where we're at war with God. We're in spiritual death. We, We don't even know about the spiritual life of God, most of us. We, we live with our head down, following the, our evil desires, f- plunging ourselves into sin, allowing that judgment, that death to course through our veins and bring death into our e- situations we, t- we touch. And then, of course, there is an uh, eternal death, the Bible speaks about, where there is a finality For all of us, not just that we die, but that we then face judgment. And in that judgment, there will be the justice of God to all of us. And there will be a separation or a death from the very loving presence of God for all eternity, where God finally validates our decision for my will be done over God's will. Shame's first bite. You know, we're longing for a vaccine As a nation, we're hopeful that medicine will come up with something whereby that when we get COVID, we can be injected and we can be safe and we can live our lives back to normal. The story of the gospel is we don't need to live in shame and in separation from God. The the gospel is a vaccine, God's vaccine, where we can live a new life a life in relationship with God, a life that lives in light, not in darkness. Let us look secondly at shame's strong coils. It talks in chapter two, as the verses we've already read, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. Following its desires and thoughts, coils, snake like coils, wrapping round and round our life, suffocating the very life out of us, hiding and shameful, hiding away from the God who wants to rescue us. I don't know how many of you enjoyed the first uh, Jungle Book film, but you know, Mowgli meets the snake car and, and he begins his hypnotic eyes, trust in me. And and as he's speaking, as Mowgli's looking, the snake-like coils are wrapping round and round to suffocate his very life. Paul says to the, the Christians, he's saying, that's what you used to be like. Remember the power of the serpent's coils. And we can easily identified with this in terms of our shame that materialism can get a whole, all the isms can get a hold of us. Materialism, the snake-like wraps its way around us where we're embarrassed to be honest, ashamed today to know just how much time, how much money, how much energy is spent on our outward appearance. Another pair of shoes or another, another good shirt to wear because we want to look good. We want to we know there's an emptiness inside, but we want to hide that with what we look at. Think of racism and how that has brought such shame. It doesn't matter who we are. In the nation of the United Kingdom, we, we, we've all been tainted because of our history with this terrible brush, and it wrapped its coils in our society where because of the colour of a person's skin, they are treated differently to another, think of hedonism. I think of the world outside our doors, which is plunging into, headlong into, live and let live. Let's be whatever we want to be. Let's indulge in whatever sex we want to do. Let's enjoy drugs and and all the pleasures of this world and dive headlong without care and not realising that, like any addiction, we become more and more bound, more and more caught up with that addiction. And it ruins and chokes the very life out of us. Think of uh, individualism. That's a huge thing, massive thing in COVID 19. People today are saying, well, it's only the elderly, it's only the people who are sick that are going to get die from COVID-19. Therefore, I don't have to worry. Those snake-like coils where actually we can become ashamed of the way in which we act and speak because we're not thinking this could be us. This could be our grandparent. This could be our parent who dies because we are being selfish and just thinking of ourselves. And when we've called out on these things, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to look in the mirror, we can be ashamed, ashamed of how we've lived, ashamed of how we act, ashamed of how we think about others, ashamed of how much time and money we're spending in a certain area, and gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. And as we come before God then, as we come to church, and as we start to worship, and the Holy Spirit acts, The irony is the snake, the serpent is called the accuser of the brethren and he stands and he accuses. Do you know that your child God is plunging into this? Do you know that your child God is is indulging in that? Do you know how much time he is giving to that? The accuser of the brethren, Revelations 12 verse 10. And that's why we need to hear a series like this, because into this situation, into this awful judgmental situation where we are choking to death and just barely able to breathe God's air. It says, verse four, but because of his great love. And this turns us back into verses three and four of chapter one, where we're gonna look at this because where it finishes uh, in love, in verse four, in love, God Chose us. And so the third area we're going to look at now is Shame's Slayer. Shame's Slayer. Chapter 1, verses 3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For verse 4, he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. shame's Slayer. We're introduced in this incredible, incredible waterfall, Niagara Falls of doctrine to our wonderful God, our one Lord over all creation. Understood in three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in terms of destroying the work of shame in our life, destroying the works of the evil one, all three are present and acting in terms of bringing our deliverance. And we need to not only read these verses, understand these verses, but live in the good of these verses so we can live holy. And blameless in his sight. Paul starts with God, our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who chose us before the creation of the world in him, in in Christ. So the first doctrine we need just to understand is that before the first star lit up the sky, before the first buttercup burst forth on the earth, before the first uh, ocean dolphin swam in the the sea. Billions, years and years into eternity past, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in eternal counsel, in eternal love, in eternal joy, spoke of creation, spoke of the future, they chose you. If you're a Christian this morning, you are not a mistake. You're not someone who lives under the circumstance. You're not some little worm that God is not interested in. You were chosen before the foundation or creation of the world. And you were chosen in him, in Christ, that you would have every spiritual blessing that Christ has that you would have. You are chosen to inherit all that. You are chosen not to live hidden behind a mask, hidden with your sin, hidden pretending you're a good Christian. You are chosen to be holy and blameless because of Christ, because of Christ's finished work. And I want you just to any picture is only as limit, only only fairly limited. But let me just put, paint a picture for you in terms of coming into freedom this morning. I want you to imagine a courtroom. And I want you to imagine you are in that courtroom. And I want you to imagine the accuser of the brethren is in that courtroom. Satan himself, the accuser, is standing before a holy judge, the Father in heaven. And he is pointing the finger and he is listening. He is videoing. He has got records. He has got eyewitnesses who are standing and saying, on this day guy did this he he spent hours doing that there is no way out there's no excuse i can bring i am standing before a god who is holy and i know that god must act with righteousness and i am by nature in my sinful nature an object of wrath if you look at the Old Testament you're aware there was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant and in the Ark of the Covenant there were the ten Commandments of stone that were in that and this is the the the, the, the seat or the foundation of, of 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 the throne of God he must act with righteousness he must act with justice towards sin but over that Ten Commandments, over that stone, over that box was a seat. It was called the mercy seat. Once a year, the high priest would come and on that mercy seat, he would shed the blood of an animal. And that animal and that work of atonement, of putting mankind fallen in relationship to God, was brought by the high priest. And if we turn in our Bibles to Hebrews, And uh, read in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this in 10 verse 4, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And it carries on in verse 9. Jesus said, here I am and come to do your will. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So back to the courtroom And there we stand condemned and into the courtroom comes Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes before the Father, comes and understanding our sin, pleads our case. He pours his blood, as it were, on the mercy seat, the innocent perfect Lamb of God who was slain for the world. He stands before a righteous judge and he makes intercession, atonement, so that we could be made one with God. Not just sins forgiven, but his righteousness, every spiritual blessing in Christ, everything that Christ has won is given to us in that moment of faith and obedience to him, in that moment where we give up our sin and turn our lives to him. At that moment, we are made one with Christ, in Christ. And that's why Paul again and again in Ephesians, in Christ. We need to understand who we are in the beloved, in Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that takes these words of mine, the words of preachers, the words of scripture and brings them to life. It says in verse 13 of chapter one, you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Jesus has done it all. God has done it all. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the down payment. The baptism of the Spirit is the down payment of our internal inheritance we will one day come into. So a picture to help us understand as we draw this important message to a close. Jesus talked about in Luke 18, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The tax collector was ashamed. He didn't even want to come in to the place where God was. The Pharisee was proud. (laughs) He, He looked down on this tax collector. This tax collector didn't belong in the place of worship, in the place of God. He should be excluded. He was the one who was good. He was the one who was righteous. But the tax collector's prayer is so revealing. He says this, have mercy, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He puts God on one end, of the courtroom, him on the other. And in the need, this this word have mercy on me is be mercy seated towards me. He needs someone to plead his case. He needs someone to shed his blood. He needs someone to intercede on his behalf in order for him to know mercy and not judgment. And we know that James talks about that mercy triumphs over judgment. Our God is a just judge, but mercy will always triumph over judgment judgment Colossians 2:15 says this and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross as Christ comes into that quorum he throws down Satan he throws down the accuser of the brethren he forgives us he clothes us he empowers us by his spirit in order to live a life pleasing to God which is holy and blameless to live in the light as he is in the light this is why we mustn't be ashamed. This is why we mustn't put on masks. We mustn't hide away this morning as you're hearing this. Whatever you feel is something you could never, ever talk about, never bring into the light. You need to bring into the light because God knows already and God's grace is there already. And God's mercy wants to embrace you this morning and, and hug you and tell you he has done it all. So let me conclude. How do we respond this morning? Please don't hide away. There's mercy for all of us this morning. Don't put on a mask. Yes, you're going to wear a mask as you travel on a train or a bus or go into a shop this week, but don't put on a mask when you come to church. Let's not put on masks when we come to Westminster Chapel. Let's not try to pretend we are anything other than what God has made us, which is his children. And let us be transformed By the Spirit this morning, let us turn from sin, confess our sin, bring our shame into the open and know the covering that God prepares for us in Christ. Let me finish by reading these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. God wants you to be free. God wants me to be free. If we don't bring things to the light, the coils of sin and shame ensnare and unlock and they get tighter and tighter the longer we don't confess them. And verse 18, and if we, who with unveiled faces, unmasked faces, taking our masks off, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's masks off time. we, we. We, are, we can be unashamed. We can live with each other with all the problems and all the faults and all the peculiarities and failures that we have lived with and had to put up with. And we can live in the light as he is in the light, unashamed because we are being transformed into his likeness. May God bless you as you put this word into practice.